0: I'm Mike Breen, Public Awareness Officer for the American Mathematical Society, and I'm talking with Van Woodeen, who is the Director of Connectomics at Martino Center and an Associate Professor in Radiology at Harvard Medical School. And Van has made an astounding discovery about the communication pathways in the brain. Van, can you tell us about it and the math involved?
1: It would be a pleasure to, Michael. What previously uh, people had thought about the pathways of the brain is that they might resemble cables in one of those old telephone switchboards, that each area of the brain might communicate to a half a dozen other areas along parallel bundles of axons, cellular connections, but that these connections had no particular preferred course in three-dimensional space, that they perhaps found their way from one place to another by each with its own little GPS compass or something of that kind. There had been theories advanced for how this might work or what principles of engineering might apply to it, such as shortest possible arc length. Well, we were looking at the pathways of the brain using an advanced MRI technique called diffusion MRI, which was one of the very first methods to uh, give you a a fairly complete three-dimensional view of all the pathways at one time. And we asked a question that hadn't really been asked before, which is, how do pathways in the brain cross one another? And what emerged was that the pathways of the brain cross in an extremely regular pattern so regular, in fact, that it appears that all the pathways adhere to the orientations of a curved Cartesian coordinate system, that they travel in three natural axes, which are recognizably the natural axes of the body, the nose-to-tail axis, the left-to-right axis, and the front-to-back axis. They're all curved up inside the brain, but they can still be recognized, and there seems to be very little that we see with MRI that can't be ascribed to paths along these directions. So the paths of the brain, rather than being each its own little cable, have a very strong and very simple spatial correlation among them which may be part of the ground plan for the brain.
0: Another thing you discovered is that those directions are associated with its growth or evolution.
1: Right. The basic body plan of all bilateral organisms is based on a simple mathematical structure. So one has a nose-to-tail axis uh, where animals have their little segments and then there's this left-to-right axis and a front-to-back axis. And these axes are laid down at a very early developmental stage and then modified and remodified during the processes of development. And this picture of the brain uh, that we've shown suggests that the brain also reflects that, that it's not an exception to that general architectural scheme, but rather retains it in some ways more transparently than the rest of the body does, more clearly and precisely.
0: And partial differential equations are involved in certifying that this result holds?
1: That's very well said. Here's the thing. The brain, as you can see, is a very curved structure. And so when you look at the pathways of the brain, they don't just go left, right, uh, up, down, front, back the way beams would do in a pre-Geary building. So the question was, looking at, and it's a tricky one, looking at the MRI data, what would be the flag or indicator that things were organized in this simple way? and it had to be a flag that was going to survive all of the curvature of the brain on the one hand and also survive the fact that our imaging isn't perfect on the other hand that our imaging has limited resolution and limited sensitivity and so it's not going to be a perfect telescope either and the flag comes directly from the theory of uh, partial differential equations and specifically the Frobenius theorem here's what it says so for an ordinary differential equation if you have a vector field, you can always find a set of smooth curves that will be tangent everywhere to that smooth vector field that always exists. But if you go up one dimension and ask yourself, given a little set of planes in three dimensions, can you or can't you construct two-dimensional surfaces whose tangent planes those are? The answer is generally no. The, the, the large surfaces, the macroscopic surfaces, will only exist if the plane field has a very specific mathematical form defined by the Frobenius theorem, that it's involutive as a a Lie algebra or that its commutator is contained within the uh, tangent space itself. Now, what we've observed, looking at the pathways of the brain, is that if you look at how they cross each other, they always, always, observationally, a great deal of the time, within the scope of our measurement, they cross so as to form two-dimensional surfaces. In other words, an integrable plane field. Either way you slice it, as it were, That is an extremely unlikely relationship. If you ask that question about the telephone switchboard cables, you would get nothing like families of crossings that define two-dimensional surfaces. In fact, even if you had two completely smooth vector fields, you know, say two streamlines of water flow that were independent of one another in three dimensions, again, you wouldn't get sheets. But the brain, the pathways of the brain in the areas where we have the highest uh, confidence in the image data, always cross to, to form these sheets that was mathematically striking that couldn't happen unless it was really there we couldn't imagine how that finding could be an artifact of our scanning process and that was a a strange process to realize that this was a real thing that emerged slowly by looking at different areas of the brain different brains in different species and gradually building up a picture of the brain that showed that this sheet structure was quite general was ubiquitous uh, or if not universal and also the key to understanding how the the development of the brain might work.
0: That's Van Woudin, who's an assistant neuroscientist at Mass General Hospital, a director of connectomics at Martino Center, and an associate professor in radiology at Harvard Medical School. And in part two, Dr. Woudin will begin by contrasting the organization of the brain with that of the heart, and he'll also talk about the brain initiative.